What's up, everybody? Joe Sib here with my co-host, Anaya Bogue. Welcome to Rad Parenting, Rad Parenting Community, Rad Parents. Hello. How are you? If you're on your Stairmaster, in your car, battling out traffic, maybe you've just dropped off the kids. Maybe the kids are in the car. Hello, kids. How are you? Joe Sib here. I wonder if you ever, do you think that people listen with their kids in the car? I'm guessing that No. I Anybody who knows our show, because I mean, we're super PG, no swearing or whatever, but we deal with a lot of content that I could see parents being like, oh, I think I need to take that in for myself first and then find a way to relate it to my kid. I agree with you 100% because I feel like I'm a huge magic fan. Mm-hmm. You know that I used to do magic when I was a kid. I did not know that. Oh, gosh. So I love I was on te- I was At 10 years bits. old, I was on stage regularly as a magician. Nice. I worked at Arts Pizza doing a Friday night show. Impressive. Yeah. It's pretty funny. I hadn't brought it. I hadn't even thought about it until recently. I was on a podcast recently called The Crab Feast. Yeah. These two comedians, Ryan Sickler and Jay Larson, they Uh had me on. And I don't know how they got out of me, but they asked me about magic. I did this whole show talking about when I was a little kid doing magic. If any of you guys want to listen to that podcast, uh, it's called The Crab Feast. Super, super funny. But I talked a lot about magic. Nice. Leading back to the question I just asked you, do you think people listen in the car with their parents? I don't think they do because I feel like almost, this is my analogy, that the parents are the magicians. We're all talking together. And if we let uh, our secrets out, then (laughs) our fans who are our kids know the magic that we are creating. That we don't just magically know all this stuff. Absolutely. Got it. Uh, Hey, I want to let everyone know too, please continue the emails, radparenting at gmail.com. Also send a text when you get a chance. Uh, parenting, the word parenting, to 313131, and we will send you the show early. Also remind you, too, that we're on Instagram now, Rad Parenting. Please follow us, uh, and we give you up-to-date information of who's going to be on the show. Last thing I want to let you know about, and I'm pretty stoked on this. I mentioned it last week. Uh, I got my good friend Clay to put all of our episodes of Rad Parenting, all 88 episodes on YouTube. Nice. Yeah. And so I, Rad Parenting officially has a, a YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel, Rad Parenting. Wow. And I don't really know how I'm going to let the world know about that. But uh, basically all you can do, you can go now and you can listen to all 88 episodes back to back. Nice. Which is kind of cool to have them all going over and over yeah. and over. Yeah, uh, yeah. With all that said, over the last couple of weeks, uh, it's been a, a nightmare with this whole Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. situation. And now so much more coming out. I, I just feel like the world's going through, uh, and I hate to use this analogy, it's just like diarrhea. It, <laughs> after it goes through, we're all going to hopefully be feel better, better for be better, it. Yep. But right now, it is not good. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people know I host, co-host this show with you. Mm-hmm. I was currently with uh, a parent that had kids, mm-hmm. and, th- and we were having a conversation, and they asked me straight up, Joe, how are you raising your son in this world that we're living in right mm-hmm. now? Uh, if you listen to the show, you know I have a 13-year-old son, an amazing human being. Mm-hmm. Y- you know him. Yeah. Sweetest kid in the world. Yep. I, I wish I was half of what he is. He's amazing. More importantly... This is when I go, I'm going to bring this onto the show. I want to talk to Anae about it. A mother, about to, her and her husband are about to have their first child. Mm-hmm. And she literally looked at me and said, I am super scared. I said, what's wrong? She said, Joe, with everything going on in the world, I hope that we don't have a boy almost because I don't know how I would raise him mm-hmm. in the current world that we live in. And I fear for what could possibly happen to him 
And I just right there was like, wow, this is at the forefront of everything that's going on, not only for the nightmare that these women are all coming forward with, Mm -hmm. but also as parents, it has to be on so many other people's minds right now that are raising teenagers that are having young, even toddlers in their life right now. Like, okay, how am I going to navigate this world? And also, as I always say, going into your own box of parenting tools, because how was I raised? How did I become uh, a sexually educated human being without taking the advantage of the people around me. So sexually educated and sexually responsible. There you go. There you go. So with all that said, Mm -hmm. I wanted to just throw it all on the table for you right now. (laughs) Um, I know this is your expertise. I mean, this is what you talk to young people all around the world. You just came back from Guatemala. That's, you know, something in itself having you here today, which is, I, you know, we do so many shows, we have so much fun together, but I was like, wow, man, talk about a topic that is happening right now. Yeah. So what I want to throw on the table is this, uh, for a parent listening to the show right now, and I don't want to just throw it, and I hope, I think you're going to agree with me, it's not just about boys, it's mm-hmm. not just about girls, mm-hmm. it's about young people making them, like you just said, sexually responsible. Yeah. Okay, broad stroke it for me. How... If I'm a parent listening and I got the five-year-old, I got the six-year-old, yeah. and I'm listening to this show and I'm like, wow, you know what? This has been going through my mind. How do I navigate these waters? Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is a very, I'm going to start by saying this is a, an enormously complex subject. Yeah. I'm going to try to make it as simple as I can with the caveat that know that there are, you know, it, we, I could do this for three hours and, and it would only be... Uh, not necessarily scratching the surface, but this is a this is a big complex topic that I can only do so much with in you know twenty or thirty minutes. Um, so I would say the three um, the three sort of key areas that we are either failing or not doing as well as we could um, have to do with a general, and I'll speak to them in, in detail in a moment. One sort of our general societal structure, living in a patriarchal paradigm that. Um, really has influenced for centuries the way that religious institutions run, the way that educational institutions run, political institutions run, and even our sort of um, cultural norms in terms of how we name children, uh, who who takes whose name, the fact that we have, you know, misters are always misters, but we have miss and misses and ms, like all of these things to identify women in relation to men. So that's the first thing, I'm, I'll come back to that in a second. So general societal structures are part of what is behind these behaviors and this these incredible incidents of, of, of sexual assault. The second one is um, a lack of us teaching our children, and in fact, sometimes blatantly contradicting, we've talked about this on the show before, things like bodily autonomy and consent in both sexual and non-sexual contexts. So I'm going to talk about that second. And then the third thing is is really our lack of, um, because we are still so uptight as a society around the topic of sex and sexuality that has, you know, its roots in various, you know, religious teachings and and puritanical perspectives on the world, blah, blah, blah. Um, But we're still failing at making sure that our kids, from the time they are young, have a clear understanding of what the guidelines are for engaging sexually with another human being. So those are the three- Those are the three outlines right there. Yeah, those are the three sort of core, I think, 
uh, uh, root root issues. Those are the root issues that we're going to talk about. And the way you broke it down was just basically um, leftover, uh, like you said at the beginning. Uh, you know, the the woman always takes the man's name. Yeah. The, the, the example you gave with Miss Miss, miss all of those yep. things. Just basically Our this this norms. old school uh, mentality that's left over that that right there uh, directs into going into when you even talk about sex in itself. And and it's it's a hush hush topic yeah. in some things where all of that mixed all together yeah. is where we are now. It has today. created this powder keg and Got led it. to behaviors that are thankfully like as much as we're kind of in the midst of this uh, you know storm of of you know just chaos going on in a number of different ways. But around this topic of sexual assault, I think it's really important that this is all now coming to the surface so that we can, as you said, like get it get it out, work it through, and be in a different place on the other side of it. Got it. So so first of all, let's you know dive into probably the most complex, and I can only do so much with with this this larger piece, but it is really important. And the reason it's so important and the reason it has so much power over us in the way we do things is because much of the aspects of our sort of societal norms are hidden in plain sight. So in my 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 book really came of this reality of just knowing that I kept being asked the same questions about why girls who, you know, when they're young are are high functioning, have a, a strong sense of self and self-identity and self-value. And then they move into adolescence and that just tanks and it affects everything that they do. And in, you know, we're on the third wave of the quote unquote women's movement. So, so it's important that we look at how our patriarchal structure, which in, in, in short basically says, if you are male, you are more entitled, more capable of holding positions of power, whether it's as the family figurehead or it is in the White House. You know, again, we're the most progressive nation, arguably in the in the world in many ways, and we still have not put a woman in the in the in the White House. That speaks volumes about what we think about men and what we think about women. And because in in these a lot of the incidents that have come through, what we're seeing is is a power dynamic, is men who've been in positions of power taking advantage and and using that power over others to fulfill sexual urges. I mean, and, and there's, you know, and fulfill their sense of power. And that's why this is so complex. It's not just a sexual issue. It's not just a power issue. And so um, the first thing that we can do is become aware ourselves, always the rule of thumb. We've talked about this multiple times in the show. We as parents need to become aware of our own programming first, wow, what are my, my thoughts and feelings about this? Why do I have this tendency to be like, oh, she's probably lying. Oh, she's going to destroy this man's reputation. How, you know, my son would never do that. I can't believe this girl is lying about something that he would do. Well, here are the facts. A very, very small percentage, probably about 2% of allegations of sexual assault have, uh, have been proven to be false allegations. In fact, because we're so sexually uptight as a society, I would argue, among other reasons, most victims of sexual assault, male and female, their natural tendency is to say nothing because the first thing we tend to do is say, oh my gosh, what did I do? To, to have brought this on. And what you're saying right there completely backs up what is happening right now. Exactly. So that is all why these women the dam is broke. Decades, yeah. The dam is broke for decades and decades, and boom, it's all coming forward right now. That is a great uh, number that you just uh, mentioned. 2% of them are false. Right. Because and I think, I think uh, the natural inclination that some people may have is if an allegation is made like that, oh, you know what, how, how do we know that that's true? Right. What you're saying is for someone to bring that up because you deal with sexual assault and the people that deal with, the people that have been through it, yep. 
thank God I've never been through it. Uh, I know people that have. What you're saying, it is so hard to even bring that up that for someone to do, to lie about it is such a small amount, 2% yeah. of people that would use something like that that would be false. The rest of people, what you're saying is do what has happened for decades and decades. I'm just not going right. to talk about it. I'm going to get on with my life. And I know people that that has happened to. So exactly. right we're there- We're seeing it with the Me Too you know, that's campaign what I'm saying. on Facebook. Is, is, and I think that we need to, so we need to remember that. And Got we it. also remember because, because that is the case with so many victims, in fact, the number numbers that we do have around the incidence of sexual assault are actually much higher in reality because it's so underreported for these reasons. Yeah. So And let's all let's all admit it right now that uh, even with the whole uh, me too going on um, for everyone that said uh, me too there's probably 4 5 10 15 20 that aren't they're like I'm they're not still even terrified. I'm not even going to go there. Absolutely. I just want to get on with my life. It's cool. Yes. So think about that. Exactly. Right and then now. also I want to just challenge us to say how many other crimes? So first of all, like if somebody came to you and said, and I use this, I use this example when I speak to, to, to groups of, of, of kids, if I were walking home from school with my backpack on, with my computer and my phone and whatever in the back, and somebody jumped me and, and stole my backpack, when I got home and told whether it was my family, my friends, my siblings, whomever, their immediate reaction would not be, what did you do? Like, why, why were you walking home on your own? Why didn't you have an extra harness on your backpack so that nobody could take it off? The immediate reaction would be, oh my gosh, I am so sorry that that happened to you. Let me help you. Let me help you. Should, you know, do you want to go to the police? What was in your backpack? Blah, 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 blah. Where it is really only with crimes related to sex that our first inclination is still because- Why we're is that? Well, there's, that's a whole other show. And, okay. and there are a number of reasons, but I, the broad stroke is because we are still, there's, sex is still such a taboo subject subject that we just, we, we, and we want to victim blame. We want to, especially when the victim is, is female. And again, that's a whole other show. Okay. So I want to do that show. Well, we will, we will. So um, <laughs> you're like, okay. <laughs> so, so the, so we, we need to become aware that, and, and the other thing I want to say is, is on this note of other crimes is ask yourself if it was another crime, like we have, we have laws in place, all of which by Somebody, for whatever screwed up reason, could be abused and false allegations could be made, which is why we have a justice system that says you're innocent until proven guilty, um, to avoid that, to kind of put a buffer in like, of course, any law could be abused, any law could be, somebody could take it and say, I don't want this person in my way, they're competition that's making it impossible for me to do what I want to do in the world, and so I'm going to take them out by saying that they broke into my house or they stole such and such. We don't go through that same process of being like, I think somebody might, you know, be making making false allegations here. We, we better do something more with that law. Okay. So that, that, that's all I'm going to say Got about it. that. So now back to this whole societal model, there are various bits that go into this, this patriarchal paradigm, which teaches boys that they are the ones that, that, that hold most of the power, that hold power over, that um, they as men need to actually hold power over to be ex, quote unquote acceptable men. And we tell and show girls in a variety of ways that their value, their identity, their, their significance in their the world, worth. their worth is all is all gained and almost exclusively gained in their relationship with men. So we say this from the beginning with things like um, defaulting consistently to 
uh, naming kids after their fathers. In many cases, even when the dad is not going to be involved in the equation on it on the daily basis. And I am not saying that you must, you know, choose differently or we need to stop naming kids after their dads. I'm just saying most people do it without even thinking about what that means. Yeah. Right. Oh, what Mar- about what about traditions. you get married? You get married. Hey, you're going to take my last name, right? You know exactly. Um, what you're saying is. A lot of a lot of the things we're talking about on today's show, we fall into doing when we may even say to ourselves, "I'm not like that." That's right. I don't fall into that. And then you start looking around. Wow, I didn't realize it. I have fallen into that same pattern. Exactly, and and partly because we feel compelled to to either consciously or subconsciously sort of go with the flow, do what our parents yeah. did. I'm before named us. after my dad. Exactly. <laughs> So, I think so, he was named after his. And 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 even um, even things like you know that we've romanticized this idea of like the the groom to be going and asking the the woman's father for her hand in marriage. That is so infantilizing. We are effectively saying with that tradition, as much as we want to be like, well, that's respectful. No, if you want to go, this young woman or whatever age woman who you want to marry, if you see her as a whole human being perfectly capable of making her own decisions, the only the only answer that you need or the only permission you need is from her. Yeah. Do you want to be my partner? Yeah. Right? And 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 this idea of like, I'm going to go to the parents to see if they will give their blessing or they say it's okay for their daughter to marry me. All of those things that we've romanticized, fathers walking daughters down the aisle to quote unquote, give them away. That practice stems from a belief system that girls and women were the property first of their fathers and then of their husbands. And we have not fully escaped that. And we won't until we look at it and go, Huh. Okay. And some people want to be like, well, we don't do it for that reason anymore. But if we're going to continue and perpetuate a tradition, we still have to know what messages are in there. So, so that is kind of just like one example. The, the bigger and maybe more prominent example is how we, we have created, as connected to the patriarchal paradigm, what I call the man box and the woman box. And that's not my own. I've, I probably talk about the woman box. I don't know anybody else who does that. But I, I initially heard Tony Porter, who if you haven't seen his TED Talk, I highly, highly encourage it. I, he was the first person that I heard speak about um, the man box. And Tony has an organization called A Call to Men. And it's all about like working with men to, to address the programming that perpetuates male violence against women in society. And this is important work for men to step up, just like we're seeing to some degree with the Harvey Weinstein thing, where men are actually coming forth and validating what women are saying. Not necessarily like, I know she's telling the truth for fact, but I believe her because I have no reason to believe that she would be lying about this. And you know what? I heard the rumors and I just didn't say anything sooner because I was afraid for my own job, you know, whatever, whatever. So the man box and the woman box are basically the gendered expectations that we have for that we start teaching from the time little boys come out of the womb and little girls come out of the womb. And I'm going to speak in those binaries for the purpose of just simplicity and moving through this complex Got topic. It. But I want to alert the, the viewers that I'm not suggesting that I believe that gender is just one or the other. So that being said, with the man box and the woman box, we basically have a set of criteria that includes things like, in order to be an acceptable man in our society, in order to be a real man, here are the acceptable expressions. You need to be aggressive. The primary emotion that you're allowed to show is anger, not vulnerability, not sadness, not weakness, right? Um, you are to be athletic. You are to be um, demonstratively strong. You are to be um, aggressively sexual. You are to assert your, like, you know, I'm going to, and I think- Yeah, you're, is, what you're basically saying is, 
because you're, you just just insert. You're gotta. You have to be this masculine, almost imaginary figure in time that is like a cowboy slash, uh, you know, uh, Rocky Balboa all mixed. Exactly, in. and, and it's, it's really a fraction of a whole human being. And yeah. so I'm gonna go on. I don't know why I said saying, Rocky Balboa because I do feel that Rocky. Uh, showed some vulnerability. He does. He does. Because you know he. You know, yes. <laughs> with that. But what I'm trying to say yes. is, is that the the paint the picture that you are painting is of the atypical man, and uh, I definitely ha- have seen that. Yeah. Uh, portrayed and, and you look in movies everywhere. You know, I'm going to grab her, I'm going to kiss her, exactly, all that stuff. And 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 when we see those examples of like the male characters sweeping in and just grabbing the woman and and her falling into his arms, even if you know previously she's repeatedly said, "I'm not interested." Well, how many times have we seen the scene in the movie where she fights him off, and then all of a sudden she breaks down in exactly. a moment of clarity and of lust, and exactly. now they're together? But basically, that moment that you just filmed of her pushing that male character off, that was the moment where the male character said, hey, ma'am, whoa, okay, we're stopping. If you don't want to do this, I got it. Yeah. Exactly. And so, so, when so we- just think about that in itself with the images that society and movies and everything have put into everyone's minds. Exactly. Of and like, well, she fought him off, but then at the end, she right. really wanted that. And the thing we have to remember about the power of media and and you know whether it's you know Disney movies, which are now starting to get better, but is that all of that information, it's like being plugged in and just getting all this programming that takes, it, 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 it seats itself in, the, in our our subconscious, and we don't even know why we see ourselves the way we do or why we think we need to move through the world in a particular way. Man, you just nailed it. Plugged into your subconscious. With that said, we're going to hear from our sponsor really quick. We'll be right back with Anaya Bogue uh, and myself, Joe Sib, Rad Parenting, and the Rad Parenting community. Hold tight. Here's a word from our sponsor. All right, we're back. Joseph here, Red Parenting, sitting across from Anaya Bogue, my co-host who is laying out some knowledge right now. I'm loving it. Uh, it reminds me a lot, honestly, Anaya, of the first episode you and I ever did, Daddy's Little Princess, because mm-hmm. you're touching on a lot of yeah. those topics right now. Yeah. Okay, uh, what you just said when we left off before that is almost I'm imagining when I sync my uh, phone up with my computer mm-hmm. to download the photos. Yeah. You're saying subconsciously all of these visions, all these images, what we think it is to be a man, what we think it is to be a woman have just been pushed down into our subconscious that we might not even know. Even in this short time that you and I are sitting here, my brain is just, is it's like, it's going across my own hard top of like, oh wow, I didn't. I what what she just said about taking the last name, what she just said about walking down, you know, walking uh, my daughter down yeah. someday if she ever got married, yeah. you know, or or why would a why would a young man have to come to me and say, can I have permission to marry your daughter, right. dude? You're she's perfectly you, capable. Yeah, dude, you're marrying her because she's rad. Not you're not marrying me. Yeah, you know that would exactly. be a nightmare. I get it. Uh, okay. Okay, so let's so let's let's continue with the because this is what I think parents need to understand is this work begins from the time they're itty bitty. So here we're talking about like most parents are freaking out going, how is my, how is my son going to turn out as a man? And how do I make sure he doesn't get, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 convicted of sexual assault? And how do I make sure that my daughter doesn't become a victim of sexual assault? P.S. Males can also become victims of sexual assault. So, so this is, I'm telling you, it starts at home and it starts from a very early age for exactly the reasons we're talking about right now. Cause this is where the programming popping on a Disney movie and thinking, oh, well, this is a safe 
a safe thing to do unless you have looked, and I'm telling you, until very recently where, where Disney and, and Pixar have been deliberately creating and, and, and including these strong female characters and much more balanced gender, gendered interactions, we have been programmed with this idea, which very much fits into the man box, woman box, which we were talking about before the break, where you know boys are the, the, the prince sweeps in and saves the day. The princess is helpless until he shows up. Um, uh, you know He's supposed to be the problem solver. It's a tremendous amount of weight that we put on uh, male identifying uh, 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 children. And it's also limiting because when we say things like the only emotion that you're allowed to, to show as a man is, is anger and you are to be aggressive, not vulnerable, not connected in your experiences, including your sexual experiences, we are setting up, the, we're setting the stage for, for sexual harassment to take place. With the women, women box, just almost take everything that's in the man box and then apply the opposite. So we're, we're vulnerable, we're weak, we're supposed to show that we're helpless. We can't solve our own problems. We need a man to protect us. We need a man to protect us. To take us. care of us. We are not to be explicitly sexually charged. We're in fact supposed to be demure and not and not ever show that we we blatantly want to be sexual beings and newsflash we are sexual beings by by virtue of the fact that we're human beings right so as parents the probably the most important thing that we can do is become aware of how our own programming has been dictated by the man box and the woman box and these various you know traditions in in our society that are very male centered very patriarchal and and again Patriarchal not meaning, I do not believe that the patriarchal model is just like, that. this is great for men, so they don't want it to go away. I believe that there are men that think that it would be terrifying for it to go away, but in fact, I think patriarchy is doing a disservice to both men and women because it's limiting all of us, okay? So that's step one. Become aware of this model that has become the foundation for um, these kinds of inter unhealthy interactions between men and women. The second thing is our, and we spoke about this on a show recently, is we do not teach kids something that I call bodily autonomy. Um, and, did a whole and, entire show and on it. Did a whole entire show. And just for folks who haven't heard that, that particular episode, basically what it means is the notion that we teach our kids, you are always always, even with your parents, the boss of your own body. So where some parents are going to freak out and be like, what do you mean? Like I, if I hug my kid and my kid pushes me away, I'm going to be offended. If I go to hug my kid or I say, you know, I, I want to give you a hug and your kid says, no. I don't want to hug right now. No. 100% they are entitled to do that. And in fact, by forcing your kid to go give Aunt Sally a hug or to let Uncle Buck kiss them goodnight before they go to bed against their explicit consent, you are setting them up to, to question whether they actually have the right to do that. And when they are in charged situations, whether they are like overtly sexual, like, you know, in an adolescence, they're at a party, they really like somebody and they're engaging and then they go, oh, wait a minute, I'm not sure that I want to do that. They're not going to feel like they can put the brakes on. And then even in non explicitly sexual context like we're seeing with these Harvey Weinstein examples where where you are in a position with somebody who has authority over you and they use sex as a tool and you feel like you have to just accept it because nobody's going to believe you or because you might not get the job. Again, we're feeding into that if we don't explicitly teach our kids about both bodily autonomy and language of consent. 
both giving it and receiving it, Get it giving it and getting it, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. So that's and basically, and, and just to and just to go back to clarify one thing is that if you are not practicing that at an early age, it will not be uh, able to be used at the time when it counts most. That's right. It'll no just different, be more no, difficult. No different than what we always talk about with the analogy of you wouldn't just put your son or daughter in a car at sixteen and be like, "All right, man, good luck." Yeah. You know, or I always say like, "I'm not. I'm. I, hey, man, check it out. We're gonna go paddle. We're gonna go paddle out today at Trestles." Well, I've never surfed. Dad, I don't know. Oh, you'll figure it out right. out there. Exactly. You know, we're gonna start out at Old Man's, and we're gonna work our way, you know, further north till we get to the the bigger waves, and then you'll be ready for it. So, right. with all that said, I just want the parents that are listening to the show right now, especially for the younger ones. I always think I always think of someone listening, like, okay, what can I apply today? Yes. I have a five-year-old. I have a seven-year-old. I have a 10-year-old. What can I apply today? That right there is one of the biggest take-homes that I've gotten from doing and this show. And it's so basic. Yeah. You are the boss of your own body. I love and it. so is every other person. Absolutely. That's an important part of the equation. So that they and when they fully embody and understand, oh, I I get to say and nobody gets to touch me without my permission, then by extension, they are going to not only understand but expect that a person that they're interacting with in a sexual or non-sexual context also absolutely has the same right to be the boss of their own body. And we need to ask, ask permission to interact with somebody else in, in that and way. And that goes back to your core belief of starting it. And you used the word itty-bitty. When they're itty-bitty. Itty-bitty. And yes. itty-bitty means from the very beginning, start practicing this now. Right. And this the, isn't a conversation you have. And I know I've talked about it on the show. Oh, we're going to get in the car and someday at you know 13, we're going to have this big conversation. Yes. The father and son moment talking about sex or the or the you know daughter and father, the daughter and mother talking about you know dad and mom, how does this happen? Those conversations, I'm telling you, for the people that are listening that have the young kids, and they and I know we got a 21-year-old or not. We, you have a 21 year old. What a shocker for yeah, the wow. audience. Guess what? Guess what? Yeah. We meant to tell you. 21 and 9. 21 yeah. and 9, 16 and 13 on yeah. this side of the table. With all of that said, I'll tell you right now, these conversations never, ever, ever come up when you're prepared for them. Right. So start having those conversations at the itty bitty. Exactly. And especially because if, just to, to reiterate, because with this particular topic, with the issue of sexual assault, because the foundation or the, of, of the one of the root causes has to do with really not not overtly sexual programming, but these other things that are in our in our world, we have to we have to be having the conversations from the time that they're young, so that they're, we've sort of scaffolding the the, the value system. Love it. Um, and even like the other thing at this young age, in addition to the sort of bodily autonomy and the and the language of consent, explicitly saying yes. Ex enthusiastically saying yes or hearing yes is also challenging gender norms, you know, in terms of toys, in terms of activities that your kids want to engage in. Because when, when they get you know, healthy programming early on that nobody gets to say that because you're a boy, here's what you must wear, here's what you must do, here's what you can play and not play, or if you're a girl, same thing, that they will be more inclined to not just become subject to the man box and the woman box. It won't make sense to them in the same way. They'll they'll start to hear somebody say, well, you know, you can't wear nail polish because you're a boy. And they'll be like, says who? Yeah. 
That's not what I've learned. And, and, and challenging those gendered norms will eventually have the impact that when they're in a sexual context, that th these things are, are less likely to happen. Okay, so the third thing is, um, is really the, the, um, the uptightness or the lack of information and education we're giving kids about sexual interaction. And that's where I, I always like to bring in, as you just did a moment ago, the whole driving analogy. Here are the facts. We know that even, you know, we, we, we have kids when they become, when they turn 16, jump through a number of appropriate hoops before they can get a license. We know even after they jump through those hoops that some of the highest incidents of car accidents and like fatal car accidents happen at the hands of teenage drivers. Yet and still, we continue to give them licenses as long as they jump through the appropriate hoops because we still believe that most of the time, most of them are going to drive reasonably responsibly. But what we, so, so it's not about like, you know, people have this tendency like, oh, we just need to tell our kids don't engage, like just don't have sex. It's dangerous territory. You could get charged with sexual assault. That's not the answer any more than it is. Wait till you're 25 to get a license. The answer is reiterating and explicitly teaching kids the ins and outs about sexual decision-making, understanding their bodies, looping the bodily autonomy and the consent lessons from earlier in their lives into the whole mix. So that just like driving a car on a road with a bunch of other people, they understand that anytime you're engaging in an activity with another human being, you need to follow the guidelines. You need to follow the rules of the road. How soon can you start having those type of conversations and examples with with your son or daughter? Okay, so I am a huge advocate, um, much much in line with like what Canada is now doing and what the uh, Netherlands have been doing for a long time. I know I brought up Canada again. <laughs> um, is really from from very early on. So like say in kindergarten, you can start with the whole, we're going to be body scientists. We're going to learn about our bodies. We're going to learn about bodily autonomy. It, it needs to start there. And that includes understanding and knowing their various body parts, all of them folks, not the head and shoulders, knees and toes with a whole, like their torso and their genitalia just not mentioned. Their whole body, they need to understand that there is language attached to those different body parts, that they need to feel empowered to speak about those body parts so that if something should happen to them, heaven forbid, early in life where they are assaulted by an adult who's in a position of authority, they feel empowered and they have the language to be able to communicate that. And, and by virtue of speaking about it in an open way, we are saying this is not something that has to be a subject that is taboo that stays in the dark. That's which the is, biggest takeaway that I'm getting right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. It's, it is huge. That's the, that's, I mean, right now, while you're saying that, that out of the three, uh, I want to say pillars of your conversation mm -hmm. today, number one being uh, the the soci our societal norms, patriarchal societal norms, and the man box woman box. Number two is the um, teaching our kids from very early on. They are the boss of their own bodies, and they need to learn language of consent. Enthusiastic yes, even and and no means no. Both of those right there, I feel. As a young, as a young boy growing up, and as a young man growing up, and just the way I was raised, those mm -hmm. were definitely discussed in yep. my life. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, that was definitely something that between my mother and father that was yep. definitely a discussion that went on. The last part, and I and and I just don't ever remember having any talks about sex, and and, it, and not that it was taboo, but it was just it it wasn't. 
it wasn't something that uh, that was that was talked about. Right. You know? That was talked about like the way it would be talked about following the rules of the road. Uh, yeah, I would just car. say this. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, I would say this that if you use the analogy of driving a car, I literally got thrown behind the wheel. Didn't even know anything about, and yep. I had to figure it out all on my own. And you're lucky you didn't hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. Exactly. So with That's all that, yeah, exactly. Taking. So with all that said, right there, the last, the, the last pillar of this whole foundation that you're building right here, I feel really is some is is really might be the core to what uh, the listeners right now could walk away from. Like we, if you're listening to this show, I have a I have a feeling. That if you're listening to Rad Parenting, those first two pillars, you're like, yeah, okay, I, I, I Joe, yeah, I'm kind of the same mm -hmm. way. I was raised maybe the same way. Maybe some of you are like, maybe I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Got some, got some pieces of uh, new information right there. I got a feeling though, those first two are handled. I feel like the third one might be the one that all of us right now are like, you know what? Got to focus more on that. Right, you right. Know? And, and I, how do I do it? How, how do, that's where I'm going right now. How so, do I do that? And I love what yeah. you just said. Uh, you brought that up on the show in the Body of the Autonomy show, which I don't have it in front of me. I want to say it's like episode, it's in the 80s. So it's like episode 83, 84. Love that episode. Uh, great one to go back and, and tackle. But with that said, can I have some more examples? The itty bitty teeny, I get that. Like yeah. we're going to learn about our bodies, body scientists. I love that. What I want to go into just before we get out of here is I have a 12-year-old boy. I have a 12-year-old daughter. Yep. They're about to start dating. You know, we've been doing really well with our body autonomy. They've been so far everything Anaya you're talking about I've been doing in my household. Mm -hmm. And when I say so far, I I mean our listeners yep. right now. Yep. Okay. Let's go right into it. 7th, 8th grade, first date, you know, my you know, hey, teenagers, some alcohol is going to be mm -hmm. involved. Hey, mm -hmm. I'm going to a party tonight. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, hey, what's going on here? Mom and dad are leaving for the house. Are oh, you having some friends over? Okay. You know what I'm saying. Yep. I'm painting the scenario mm -hmm. that is the beginning to uh, potential scenarios that are not great outcomes yeah. if you are not prepared and educated and yeah. have these conversations. Yeah. Dive into that for me. Okay. So throwing that on your lap. The, yeah. Yeah. No, th this is important. And, and so first of all, it needs to be really clear in these conversations so the whole alcohol factor is is it really throws a, a wrench into the situation. Okay. Um, I generally say if you are under the influence or you're engaging with somebody who is under the influence, they cannot actually, nor can you give consent. Um, and I think. And when you say that, you're saying that to you're saying that to a young person. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You're saying so hey, that they understand. check it out. If you guys are partying. Yeah. Right there. You got strike against you because legally you yeah. you guys can't even you, give you consent can't really to each give other. Consent. Yes. Oh, and come on. We've had a couple of glasses of wine, a right. couple of beers. And and part of the, you know, the part of the thing with that is which makes this again another sort of complex piece is that I believe that the, there's rarely I don't know that I've ever met a teen or the teenager that was like I really love the taste of fill in the blank the type of alcohol even beer. Like I really love the taste of alcohol. That's why I drink it. Yeah, when I was a kid I remember some kid offered me beers. And and I, I drank one, and he goes, "Hey man, you want another?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm not thirsty." Yeah. He's like, "What?" Yeah. He's like, "We're not drinking yeah. them because we're it's, thirsty." It's a means to an end, yeah. and I think that the end is I want to feel uninhibited. I want to feel like I can do the things that I can't do when I'm sober. Partly because I'm a teenager and I'm like paralyzed with liquid courage. Liquid and, courage, exactly. And so um, I think that if we, in in part of these other discussions, particularly the ones around engaging sexually, if we make it really clear that a 
you know, this is a natural human desire and urge, but it comes with enormous responsibility. So we're not telling our kids, just don't do it, because let me tell you, 100% of the time, or let's say 98% of the time, that absolutely will not work. Um, it'll only push them into doing it in hiding, only their friends will know, they'll put themselves in more dangerous situations, as opposed to having open honest conversations where they feel like, oh, I can choose to engage in sex. This is especially for girls because of that woman box that says acceptable women don't really want to have sex. They're not super sexual creatures. They're more passive. That's just all hogwash. And it basically sets up girls to put themselves in a state where it does become acceptable for them to do the things that they want to do sexually that they wouldn't otherwise, it wouldn't be acceptable if they made those choices when they were sober. So so we need to have really clear communication without it being like a, just don't do this. But here's the problem. If you need to give and receive consent in order for this to be a safe, healthy, enjoyable intera sexual interaction, you must be sober. If there's alcohol involved, a variety of things could happen, including people saying yes when they're under the influence and then getting sober and being like, I really didn't want to do that. And 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 so for people that are afraid for for their for their boys getting into trouble in a situation like that, the 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 easy answer is speak to them and arm them with information and guidelines the same way you would if if they got into a car under the influence, you would be like, you know what? It doesn't matter that the cops didn't catch you. Your license is gone for a year because that was so wholly irresponsible. You could have killed yourself or someone else. And, and the, I, as your parent, it is my responsibility to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And so the same sort of clarity around these explicit guidelines, which is not don't have sex because it's just dangerous or you're too young or you don't know what you're doing, but don't engage in sex that is not explicitly consensual because you could be doing harm to someone else and you could compromise your future if you take a charge. And the flip side of that, sitting on this side of the table right now when you said that was, how many times have you had a conversation with your daughter where you're like, hey, I want you to be, uh, you, you need to be aware of if someone gives you alcohol, what it's going to feel like. We did a whole show on that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, those, those conversations. And what you're saying, what I'm taking from this right now is not only do you need to say to your daughter, hey, check it out. If, if you know, this whole consensual with alcohol, all bets are off. As soon as there's alcohol involved, legally, you, you can't, what, what you consent to, it, yeah. is it, you're, not, you're yeah. not making a clear judgment and, exactly. and, and you're going to get yourself, you're going down the wrong road. That's right. But what I love right now walking away from this is do you, how many times have we not had that conversation with our sons where, you know, the sons is like, Hey, have a couple beers, be cool. You know, just make sure you don't blow it. Yeah. But now it's, Hey, check it out. If you're going down the road of going to have consensual sex with another human being, alcohol can't be involved at all, bro. Yeah. That can't be involved at all. Yeah. That right there, man, is a huge takeaway. It, it because is. I don't think, I don't think that kids i don't i didn't know that until you just said that right now that legally you can't you you're you can't you, give consent if you, you can't give influence. consent i didn't even know that yeah that right so, there's a game changer it, it is that's it is. my takeaway and, and it's also like talking about the ins and outs strange that i just use that language but we have to be so explicit in our in our conversations that we include things like you know i have covered cases i usually go over case studies with when i do these presentations where boys were charged with um, sexual assault 
and even literally rape because they digitally penetrate. So stuck their fingers inside of a girl without her consent and, and thinking that that was like not a big deal, first of all, already problematic. But in many states, in many states to digitally penetrate somebody else's body without their explicit consent is, is considered rape in the same way if you were, if you were having, you know, penis vagina sex or, or whatever. Yeah. So it's really, really important that these conversations happen. And I want to caution everybody, because I even heard it in the story that you were telling at the beginning, that to go down the road of like, oh my God, well, you know, I'm afraid to raise a boy because he's just going to, he's getting this message that men are bad and blah, blah. Come on, let's not cop out on this one. We have an opportunity here to say that what we're ultimately saying is that we need to not, we need to defer we need to move away from this boys will be boys um mentality and 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 which frankly i think is insulting to boys and men We've to said not that on suggest the show many times. that they are capable yeah. of taking responsibility we have to teach boys as part of all of this um by mostly by modeling and by calling out the men that are not demonstrating this and also calling out the men that are because there are many that you are responsible for your own actions. Just like if you were driving a car, it is not your passenger's fault. It is not the people in the back seat. It is your responsibility as the driver to handle yourself according to these guidelines. And the same thing is applies in a sexual context. It's a little bit more complex because it's a little charged in a different way. But I think that if we start with the basics in terms of the guidelines, and, and in addition to the driving analogy, I want to really encourage parents to check out this phenomenal video I use all the time. It's the T consent video. If you just Google tea consent video, T-E-A, yeah. as, in, as in drinking tea, T-E-A, T-E-A consent video. If you Google that, I'm telling you, check it out for yourself. First of all, it's going to make the whole language of consent piece it's so clear in your own mind, which will help you in communicating it to your own kids, but it will all, it's something you can show your kids. I would say from the time they're they're young, really, um, and they will get it. They will have that parallel in their mind in this cute little, you know, sort of dynamic video that they can go back to and go, oh yeah, like I would never, you know, give somebody tea who was passed out. I would never like force somebody to drink tea just because they said they wanted it five minutes ago and now they don't really feel like it. I might be upset with that, but it's their, their right. You, having such a basic analogy is really, really helpful in communicating this to kids. Wow. Uh I definitely want everyone to check that video out. Uh, Anaya has told me about it, and she's absolutely right. It really breaks it down in such a simple, simple way that we can uh, let our sons and daughters check out at an early age and have them yeah. understand the concept of it. Exactly. With all that said, Anaya, Matt, I, I, I got to thank you so much today. Uh, I know we come in here a lot of times, and and we ha we have a ton of fun. You know, we joke around a lot. Yeah. Uh, for our first time listeners that may be listening to the show. Um, Anae and I both found, felt that this was such an important show to do right now and to get up there sooner than later. Yeah. So uh, obviously when you listen to the rest of the shows, all the other yeah. 89 episodes, you know, sometimes we're pretty loose and, and we have a ton of fun. But today uh, you got to experience um, Joseph being very, very quiet <laughs> because that's rarity. Yeah. <laughs> but also being very, very quiet because you were just laying down some serious knowledge that I feel so important. And, and I just want one last thing for for everyone listening as the takeaway. And and this is just me sitting on my side today mm -hmm. from where we started. It's it's not pretty right now. And I am such a dude that's full of PMA, positive mental attitude, and it's it's getting harder sometimes for me to wake up in the morning and have that PMA. Yeah. But I really believe that out of everything that's going on, check it out. 
10 years ago, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation exactly. here. Exactly. Uh, five years ago, you and I wouldn't have the people that are listening to this show saying, hey, you know what? Give me some information yes. on this. Uh, and, and, and with everything that's going on and as heavy and as bad and just the, the stories that we're finding, out of it will come, I really do believe, a, a, new, a new era of men a new era of women and yeah. that you and I are going to be sitting in our rocking chairs and just be like, F yeah. Yep. This is an opportunity. This is awesome. To you guys better, are ruling. Be I really believe yep. in the, I believe th the kids are the future. I honestly believe that. And I know, and some people might be listening right now. Well, you know what, man? I don't like the way these millennials are. You know what, dude, get over yourself. You know what? L I really believe that good will come from all this. It's going to take some time. Yeah. But this is the beginning. <laughs> this is Bringing the beginning. it to the surface and putting it on the table and having conversations like this is 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 the key to 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 knowing better, doing better, being better human beings, creating healthier relationships and and just being more fulfilled um, so that you know the world is a better place. This Absolutely. Is always my broad vision. Absolutely. Thank you so much <laughs> for pulling together everything that you did today. My I pleasure. know that um, doing this show, you definitely put a lot of time into it and I was so glad that we could get it up and out as soon as we did. With all that said, uh, keep the emails coming in. Let us know what you thought about today's show. Any questions you have? We've been getting so many questions. It's It's been amazing. I mean, yeah. they're coming from, we got one from Indonesia the other Isn't day. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Love it. And I, I mean, we got one listener there and hey man, shout out to you bro. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you keep them coming. Radparenting at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show and, and you're going, man, what can I do to, to keep the energy and, and the people finding out about Rad Parenting? It is so simple to do. Just go to iTunes and, and, and write a review. It takes a few minutes and, and it helps an A&I get the word out there about the show. Follow us on Instagram as well. All right. With all that said, my name is Joe Sib. And an A. Bo. And we're out of here. Late. Late.